You ready? 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 Watch out, Grateful! Anyway, with the friends, the 
Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we will talk nothing about sports for the next three hours, two hours live, one hour on the after show, uh, depending on anybody uh, anybody that's on the line uh, will be able to hear the after show, but if you are not, then you will have to wait until it hits the archive at midnight Eastern. Uh, but anyways, we have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, I have Lou currently with me on the line. Uh, Lou, we have, oh my God, a shit ton. I mean, First, we, so have, we have, of course, we have uh, the uh, an update on the Major League Baseball lockout, or yeah, I guess you can't really call it an update because nothing has changed. Right. Uh, we will preview well, the I NBA heard, trade. Last I heard, they were looking. They were, um, um, on Wednesday. They were asking for a a mediator to help with the situation, but the uh, players union said, hell no, we're not going for that. So it's back to square one all over again. Yeah. And we'll, we'll just, we'll discuss that uh, in a little bit uh, as well. We have uh, also the trade deadline for uh, the NBA to talk about and discuss with, uh, we're about, about 50 plus games into the season and uh, yeah. teams are starting to get a good idea as to whether or not they're going to be uh, contenders or if they're going to look towards the future. Uh, yeah. Contenders or pretenders, you could say. Uh, we will also take a look at the Washington commanders. That's right. They're no longer the Washington football team. They are now the commanders. Uh, we will take a look at uh, – there's an update, actually, when it comes to the investigation that has been going on uh, on the team. We will talk about that. We also have some updates in the head coaching carousel out in the NFL and the story that we're going to start off with, uh, an absolute bombshell of a story that dropped. Uh, hell, like, very, I think I think it was right at the beginning of the week, I think. Uh, Brian Flores, the former Miami Dolphins coach, yeah. has, uh, has officially filed a lawsuit against the NFL and three teams for yes. alleged racism in their hiring process. The three teams involved are the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Broncos, reportedly. The Dolphins, he, it's, it's, it's really, really messy. So I'm going to try and sort it out as best as I can. Uh, but apparently this lawsuit includes text messages that were sent to Flores by Bill Belichick who mistakenly believed that he was texting Brian Dable, who ended up getting the Giants job, 
but instead he te- he was texting Brian Flores. I mean, re- really, how how can you screw that up, Lou? How can you screw up Brian Dable with Brian Flores? Yeah, that is one big screw up. Well, Flores is, I mean, I think Flores is going a bit too far, though, suing, you know, the NFL and three teams. I mean, no, he shouldn't have got fired anyway. They're taking Miami to a consecutive um, plus 500 seasons. I think you've got. I think you went way too far with this, you know, in, in suing the NFL. Plus, I don't think he's going to win this case anyway. So it's so it's and really the, you know all for naught. And the th- the thing is too is that there are still positions that he is actually in the running for right now, with the right. with the Saints and the Texans. Uh, he's reportedly finalist for both of those jobs with, uh, I believe there's a third team that's still uh, looking right now, but I mean, he's, you would, you would think to that you would at least let the process play out first before you even think of, of filing any sort of suit. Don't you think that this does more, that, that this, this does more to damage his chances more than help it. Oh, the the shit that they scenery hit the fans. It's not gonna I help mean, at all. You kind of have to. You kind of have to think that he's basically screwed himself out of ever getting hired yeah. ever again in the NFL with this. Way to go, stupid! I mean, obviously, you know, he has a very good reason doing it, but at the same time, what owner is going to hire you when you're basically alleging I racism? I don't think any owner stupid enough to do that. Especially, I, I, I mean, not after this. No, no. Screw but, it. Lou, it gets deeper than that, though. It's not just racism. No, there's uh, this just goes deep. This just digs deeper. Let's just let's start with the Brian Dable thing first off. Uh, Flores believed that he was one of the uh, he was he was one of the finalists uh, potentially for the job, and he claims that he had a text message sent to him. But our, he, he was he had a conversation done uh, between him and uh, and Bill Belichick, who of course right. everybody knows the head coach of the New England Patriots, uh, who Brian Flores was the defensive coordinator under uh, when they won Super Bowl when they won uh, Super Bowl Fifty Three against the Rams. So basically, uh, I, obviously, you know, the, both of them would have each other's phone numbers for having been on the same, you know, coaching staff. So Belichick texts him and says, sounds like you have landed the, you have landed as in you have landed the job. Congrats. And Flores goes, did you hear something I didn't hear? And Belichick says, giants with a whole bunch of question mark and exclamation uh, marks. Yes. Uh, he goes, uh, Flores goes, I interview on Thursday. I think I have a shot at it. 
the Belichick then responds by saying, got it. I hear from Buffalo and the New York Giants that you are their guy. Hope it works out if you want it to. Flores responds yeah. saying, "That's definitely what I want. I hope you're the. I hope you're right, Coach. Thank you." And then he co- then he thinks about it for a second and he goes, "Coach, are you talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dable? Just making sure." And Belichick responds uh-huh. saying, "Belichick responds saying, sorry, I fucked this up. I double checked and I misread the text. I think they are naming Dable. I'm sorry about that. BB, meaning Bill Belichick." Uh, then right. he ends it by saying, thanks, Bill. And that is basically what, start, what, what set off the domino effect to, uh, to have Brian, Brian Flores basically file this lawsuit. Because if New York is already deciding on hiring Dable right from the start, I mean, obviously, there's the Rooney Rule, where teams are teams are forced oh, to yeah. to interview uh, one minority outside of the organization, and basically, this this kind of sets it up to where you know his interview that he's supposed to have is basically going to be a sham. Yes. You know, it's it's like they're not going to really take it seriously because they're all they're already hell bent on hiring Brian Dable. So Flores insists that the texts were uh, were proof that he was only brought in for an interview to satisfy the Rooney Rule. And keep on uh, another thing too. You know, Dable he does have connections with Belichick because Dable uh, worked under Belichick as well as Flores. Both of them worked together at the same time. I think Dable was I think he was an offensive assistant or something uh, during his time in New England before he ended up going to Buffalo. Uh, Flores then claims, claims he was then forced to sit through a dinner with new Giants general manager Joe Schoen despite knowing that the Giants had already selected Mr. Dable. Schoen was uh, the he, – he was a Bills executive that had uh, gotten the new job as the new, G, as the new GM of the Giants. Right. Uh, and Flores also claims that this isn't the first time that he's been subjected to a sham interview that was held only in an effort to comply with the Rooney Rule as he claims that when he interviewed with the with the Broncos general manager at the time, John Elway, and other Denver execs back in 2019, before he ended up getting the Miami job, uh, Flores claims that it was clear from the substance of the interview that Mr. Flores was, was interviewed only because of the Rooney rule. He also claims that Elway and the other Broncos executives showed up an hour late for the interview and had looked completely disheveled, and it was obvious that they had been they had been drinking heavily the night before. Why does that surprise me? Well, it's Elway. Yeah. It's basically what it what it puts out there is that the Broncos weren't 
taking it seriously. Because if you're going to take an interview seriously, you're going to show you're not going to show up, you know, complete looking like complete slobs. And no. you know, you would show up. You would show up and act professionally. And basically, from 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 what it says here is that it, when he says it's clear from the substance of the interview, he means that the question, the type of questions that he was asked, weren't the type of questions that you know you would be asked for, you know, like how you're going to run the team and whatnot. It's, it, it, they were, they basically it sounds like they were questions that didn't really have anything to do with him actually coaching the team. No. Uh, he did also point out that there there's only one black head coach in the league right now, that being Mike Tomlin, and right. six GMs, uh, six black GMs. And he is now he is suing on behalf of all prospective black coaches and front office employees. He is asking the court to fix the NFL's alleged discriminatory hiring practices, in addition to unspecified damages. However, there's more, and this is where it may get potentially disastrous for not just the NFL but also potentially the Miami Dolphins as well. Now, keep in mind, the NFL, they have a, they have a partnership with, gamb- with casinos and, uh, you know, betting. Uh, the Miami Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, also owns a part of a casino, I believe. It, it's a casino or he has, he has some sort of stake in gambling as well. Right. Flores... Flores is also accusing Stephen Ross, the Miami Dolphins owner, of offering to pay him a hundred thousand dollars per loss right, for throwing, in an effort yeah. to tank the season and get a better draft pick. And when he ultimately refused to play ball with Ross, he was uh, he, he claims he was labeled as being difficult to work with, and that's ultimately why he got fired. The lawsuit reads that this is reflective of an all-too-familiar angry black man stigma that is often casted upon black men who are strong in their morals and convictions, while white men are coined as passionate for those very same attributes. And he he clearly understands that this lawsuit could could possibly prevent him from landing a job in the future. Uh, as he has stated, God has gifted me with a special talent to coach the game of football, but the need for change is bigger than my personal goals. In making the decision to file the class action complaint today, I understand that I may be risking coaching the game that I love, and that has done so much for my family and me. My sincere hope is that by standing up against systemic racism in the NFL, others will join me to ensure that positive change is made for generations to come. Now, I mean, when you look at it, it it makes sense as to why he's doing it. Because first off, 
it's, it didn't seem very fishy from the start why the Dolphins would fire a head coach that yes. not necessarily that had not necessarily sent them to the playoffs, but in two of his three seasons, two of his three seasons had had a, a record above five hundred. That makes no sense at all. But maybe the biggest thing of personal. this. Well, it's it's the fact that Ross uh, wanted him to wanted to pay him in order to tank, and he and mm-hmm. Flores refused to do so. And that's ultimately why believes that's ultimately why he got fired. And I mean, you know, th- this is. This is where this is where it, it becomes it becomes difficult for the league because they have they have a partnership when it comes to betting and casinos and stuff like that and so and Stephen Ross you know owns part of a casino or has something to do with part ownership for gambling. Now, if you're openly trying to trying to get your head coach to throw games you got to think there's some sort of money involved to where oh yeah you know Ross could take Ross could take that knowledge and bet against his own team and ultimately end up making money out of that and if there's stuff like this going on, you know we know about the about the Washington uh, the Washington Commanders scandal that is, that has gone on uh, when it comes to sexual harassment and stuff like that. You kind of have to wonder if this is getting brought up and if this ends up being true when it comes to to the uh, to Flores' claims against uh, against Stephen Ross. You would have to think a Ross is going to be for, would have to be forced to sell the Miami Dolphins, but b there could be some severe severe penalties not just against Miami, but also potentially legally against the NFL. I, what, what are your thoughts on all this, Lou? Doesn't this seem like it's just one huge, uh, and I, I hate to use this sort of, uh, you know, this sort of ana- uh, analogy here, but doesn't this seem like some like a huge powder keg that's just ready to blow up? That's a pretty big keg, if you ask me. Oof. I mean, think about it. You know, you they already are are refusing to. Release the resu- the results of the findings for the Washington uh, uh, for the Washington Commanders investigation. Yeah. You got you kind of have to think that maybe perhaps the NFL would be implicated in whatever findings have been put, uh, have been made. Now, you know there's the possibility that with with this going on like it is. Uh, between uh, with Steve, with Stephen Ross uh, potentially paying or offering to pay his his black head coach to throw yeah. games, 
And by the way, this has been backed up by Hugh Jackson. You remember Hugh Jackson, right? The uh, former yeah, Cleveland yeah. Browns, the former Cleveland yeah. Browns coach yeah. uh, for the the Browns who were downright horrible before they got Baker Mayfield. Right, they were they were horrible. Hugh Jackson to to sort of back this up uh, to back up what Brian Flores is saying. Hugh Jackson implied that Browns owner Jimmy Haslam offered to pay him to lose games. Because in response to a tweet that uh, that he was making, that he was responding to, suggesting that he was not paid a hundred thousand dollars per loss, he tweeted out, "Trust me, it was a good number that he was offered." Uh, let's see. Executive director of Jackson's foundation, uh, Kimberly D- uh, Deemer, followed up with a tweet claiming that they have records that Jackson and Brown's executives, including current general manager Andrew Barry, were paid to tank in 2016 and 2017. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like Hugh Jackson is planning on signing on to this class action lawsuit. So, and from what it sounds like, it sounds like this isn't going to be the last of coaches to step forward when it comes to this. So you kind of have to wonder, Lou, how much more is out there that the NFL is trying to, uh, is potentially trying to bury? Oh, I think there's a lot more than we don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we is, talked about black. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, no, I was just uh, thinking what you were going to say. Well, you, you know, I mean, we we've talked about black marks before. Uh, you know, like yes. when we talked about boxing, we talked about black marks on the sport of boxing, and whatnot. The NFL has already had its fair share of, of scandals and controversies in its history. Yes, but if this turns out to be true, I mean, this could be potential. You wouldn't you have to think that maybe, perhaps, Rod- not not only would the Dolphins have to sell, but potentially Roger Goodell may have to get forced out of uh, out of his commissioner's chair. You may have thought it's a bad thing. No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you know. Uh, just, just the fact that there, there would have to be overhauls in regard yeah. to changes being right. made around the league, and not just that, you would you would almost have to wonder if maybe perhaps the league may go to uh, a different version of the draft lottery. You know, it's kind of like a draft lottery like the NBA or NHL currently have right now where it's literally yeah. random. Like, you could get – like, you could have the worst record, but that would only give you the best odds of landing the number one pick. It doesn't mean you would automatically get the number one pick because you have the worst well, record. Well, in some ways it's a good thing. You would, all, you would almost have to wonder if – like, Yeah, but the number one pick doesn't always, you know, guarantee you success. I mean, you know – no. As the Jaguars, as the Jets. 
true, but you know, at, at the same time, you, you kind of have to think that maybe, perhaps, this may have a big impact to where, you know, they'll completely ch- they'll they'll change it to where teams won't be allowed to tank, or if they if they do try to tank, you know, there's going to be huge repercussions for doing so. Oh, I'd imagine so, of course. I mean, unless you're a team that literally sucks, period. You know, there, there's nothing that, that yeah. can really stop that. But, uh, I mean, if you're a team that has talent on there that, you know, that, if you're a team that has talent on there, like, like for example, uh, the Boston – or not the Boston Celtics, the L.A. Lakers – you know, you got yeah. LeBron, you got Russell, you got Russell Westbrook, you got uh, Anthony Davis, and yet they're fucking horrible this year. Yeah. Now, if you have the talent on that roster uh, in the NFL, and you're not winning games that you should be winning. You know, people will start to think, okay, are they tanking? Are they, are, you know, the season the season is out of reach. Are they tanking to, you know, try and get a better try and get a better draft pick? From what I've heard, they may potentially change it to where the dra- it becomes an actual draft lottery, and uh, your record will no longer. Uh, you know, will no longer matter as far as to what draft pick you get. I mean, obviously, you know, the uh, the playoff teams, they would still get their their draft pick would be based off of how it currently is right now. But, you know, if you're a non-playoff team, you know, they could – it may end up becoming something where you end yeah. up seeing, like, okay uh, – a team that had the fifth worst record in the league could all of a sudden potentially win the number one pick in the draft. It's you would have to think that uh, there, that would be one way of potentially looking at uh, fixing the you know the uh, potential for tanking. But also, you know, the more important thing to to talk about here is the fact that, I mean, hell, you take a look look at all the uh, head coach hirings that have, that that have uh, been taken, that have taken place in the, in the last week. And literally not one opening has been a person of color. It's all been white, 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 white. Which, you know, honestly has has led a lot of people to think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of fear, apparently, according to Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer, there's a very real fear in NFL coaching circles and the league office that there won't be a single new black head coach this upcoming season. Mm. So with, with the, uh, with 
the Jaguars hiring former Eagles head coach Doug Peterson uh, this past Thursday. All six head coaching vacancies have been filled with white candidates. So unless the Texans, Dolphins, or Saints hire a black head coach, the league will head into the upcoming season with only one single black head coach in the league, that being Mike Tomlin out in Pittsburgh. It would be a PR nightmare following the lawsuit that had that has been filed by Brian Flores. Which, uh, by the way, all teams involved have have denied uh, the allegations that Flores has put out there. Naturally, and well, yeah, obviously, you know, a team a team isn't gonna isn't gonna come right out there and say, oh yeah, no, yeah, of course we, not. Uh, we're definitely racist, you know, we're we uh, we never took him seriously, yada yada. Uh, we haven't heard that before, and actually. And actually, uh, all three teams have released statements uh, in in response to Flores' uh, allegations. Uh, but it says here that, uh, according to Fritz Pollard Alliance Executive Director and former Cardinals General Manager Rod Graves, what he told Albert Breer is the key word is frustration, and this has been mounting frustration over the years. Last year, given the opportunities that were out there, there was only one head coach hire, and that was David Culley. Then, of course, you get a slate of this, you get a slate this year of just outstanding coaches who are eligible to rise up and fill one of the nine positions that were available. And to date, we don't have one single black head co- or person of color uh, as a new head coach. And it says, and I don't know for all the work that these guys have put into it, all I hear from them is frustration and voicing unfairness. So Flores you know, keep in mind, Flores is still a finalist for not just the Saints, but also for the Houston head coaching job. So now right. he could be an absolute long shot when it comes to uh, when it comes to potentially landing a job. After all, yeah. I mean, you know, Lou, if if it, if the final three teams come down and it turns out that you know, there's no new black head coaches or head coaches of color. How right. bad of a look do you think that puts on the league? Oh, I have to do a black guy for sure. For you know, for, just for a league that always stresses that they're not racist and they've put press, they, yeah. you know, they've put stuff in place. But so far, you haven't really seen it. I mean, what are your thoughts? Wait, say, it, say it again. Well, what what are your what are your thoughts, Lou? On you know, like don't don't you think that this? Do you think that this would be a nightmare, basically, for the NFL if if it turns out that oh. these last final three slots, uh, the Dolphins, the Texans, and the Saints. If and, and we've had a couple of people, uh, we've had a couple of people of color 
interview for these spots. You know, Byron Leftwich was one of them. Yes. I mean, obviously Brian Flores. Obviously Brian Flores has been one. Uh, Eric Bieniemy of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs has been one that is. Yeah. That is interviewed for for these spots. If we don't get one single or one or two coaching hires of color. Do you think that there's going to be that this would be basically a nightmare case scenario for the NFL? That is, oh, that this, is would be a, this would be a huge nightmare. This would be a huge nightmare. I mean, that, this this would you know for for a league that is already trying to trying to reinforce that no, we are not racist. We already you know we have policies. Mm, in yeah, place they all say that. For, I mean, for 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 that for for it to, for them to to stick by their guns, and then all of a sudden this comes out that oh yeah no there's uh, all the all the out of all nine openings there's not one single head coaching uh, hire that is a, of a person of color. I mean, what example does that set? This could be this could be a bloodbath for the NFL. But if it's going to get good down of Ms. Reigns' commissioner, so be it. Nobody I mean, don't, down don't anyway. you think? Don't you think this would strengthen Flores' case? Mm, I'm not too sure. I don't know. If, I wouldn't know if he has much of a case. You know, the NFL is you know mighty powerful. So it's, yeah, you know, and they have they have high friends they have high friends in high places. Yes, yeah, so that's strike two on Flores right there. It also doesn't help either that Congress. Yeah, that's right. We have members of Congress who are imploring that Congress is no place in this. Well, they are imploring that the NFL not only release the full findings of the Washington investigation, but also they want an investigation to be to be done into uh, racism in the NFL yeah. as well. Yeah, but Congress is no place in getting involved in a sports issue like this. Well, they did, I, it, I really they did don't it for think baseball. Yeah, they still didn't belong there. I mean, I, rem- I remember yeah. when I, when the steroid when the steroid scandal was such a huge was such a huge thing back in uh, back yes. when I was younger, and Congress ended up ended up uh, having to get involved in it, and it became such a Congress huge. Uh, you know, it became such a huge such a huge deal, basically. That yeah. the fact that the league couldn't handle it by by themselves. Now that's their that's their problem. I don't know if you know if Congress should get involved in you know in the sports world. It, it, it doesn't it doesn't work well. So you know they had they had to work out for themselves. I mean, they even got involved with uh, resolving the night for a baseball strike, which if that didn't happen, uh, they might have lost, you know, a whole season on top of the, of the season they had before that. 
but there's really no need for them to get involved in the sports world. Yeah, you you would think that Congress would, uh, you know, politicians should stay involved in politics. And let, of course, that's what they're trained for. The, and and let the commissioner, let the commissioner of 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 each specific league, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, yes. uh, and whatnot, let them handle their own league's problems. Exactly. Now, uh, according to ESPN's Chris Mortensen, he has reported that the NFL will investigate the specific allegations that Brian Flores has made concerning Dolphins owner Stephen Ross. Uh, They will also investigate other potential rules violations, but he did not clarify what those would necessarily be. Now, it's funny considering the fact that the NFL claims that there was no merit behind any of these uh, any of these claims. And not just that, but the NFL then put out a uh, put out a memo today to all thirty two teams. And this is where it just it just makes me laugh because uh, keep in mind the NFL immediately said uh, once this lawsuit was filed, that there is no merit behind these claims. No. Commissioner Goodell, though, sent a, a memo today to all club presidents and all chief executives of all 32 teams, saying, I want to address a subject that many of us have discussed together not only this week but consistently for many years. Racism in any form of discrimination is contrary to the NFL's values. We have made significant efforts to promote diversity and adopted numerous policies and programs which have produced positive change in many areas. However, we must acknowledge that particularly with respect to head coaches, the results have been unacceptable. We will reevaluate and reexamine all policies, guidelines, and initiatives relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion, including as they relate to gender. We are retaining outside experts to assist in this review and will also solicit input from uh, current and former players and coaches, advocates, and other authorities in this area. Our goal is simple. Make our efforts and those of the clubs more effective so that real and tangible results will be achieved. And he also says we understand the concerns expressed by Coach Flores and others this week. While the legal process moves forward, we will not wait to reassess and modify our strategies to ensure that they are consistent with our values and longstanding commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I mean, this. In particular, we recognize the need to understand the live, the lived experiences of diverse members of the NFL family, to ensure yes. that everyone has access to opportunity and is treated with respect and dignity. Uh, we also take seriously any issue relating to the integrity of NFL games. Really, do you, Goodell? Do you really? really? These matters will be reviewed thoroughly and independently. 
These independent experts will receive full cooperation from everyone associated with the league or any member club as this work proceeds. I'm sorry, but this is flat out bullshit. It is. It's 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 a way of him trying to save his own ass. It's flat out bullshit. Yes, I was just gonna say that. And they take seriously any issue relating to the integrity of NFL games. Yeah, that's why you that's why you made such a big issue involving Deflate Gate, even though it was scientifically proven that the balls were deflated because of the weather. And yet you still suspended Brady four games. And not to mention, uh, not to mention, they also fined uh, the New England Patriots, and I believe they also took away one of their draft picks as well be, uh, because of yeah. that. Even though it was scientifically proven that the balls were deflated because of the weather. But, yeah, once again, they take any issue relating to the integrity of the NFL games seriously. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about Spygate because we all know Spygate happened. Right. So, I uh, but you know I just laugh at this. I laugh at the fact that uh, all of a sudden Goodell is uh, after saying that there was no merit to the claims whatsoever. That now all of a sudden they're going to take them seriously. I wouldn't. I. What what are your thoughts on this, Lou? I wouldn't take this seriously, but it, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I remember with the uh, the fleet game and whatnot, and you know, I, I thought the whole story first, you know, sounded, you know, like something out, something like out of a science fiction novel or whatnot. I'm like, is this really happening? And you know, then Brady gets uh, called in, and then, like, we have these things still one anyway, so you know. <laughs> It didn't do him any harm, you know. But you know, and 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 then Spygate later. I mean, I think someone was just after the was just after the Patriots. Not that I'm a fan of them, but still, I mean, there was a there was a lot of speculation that you can say around that team, and the stories just seemed to get weirder and weirder and weirder. Well, if anything, Spygate, Spygate had more. Let me let me just say, you know, for in terms of Spygate, there was more evidence in Spygate than there was in yeah, uh, than there was in Deflategate. I mean, right. they were pretty much going off of the fact that all of a sudden, uh, New England had ball boys deflate the balls. Really. Hmm. Hmm. You're going to tell me that during that during the half, or no, it wouldn't be during the half. It would have been before the game. That before right. the game, ball boys deflated the balls so that the Indianapolis Colts would suck, and New England would would basically beat their ass the entire first half. Yeah. Then, when the second half came, New England took it up a step and beat their ass even worse. No, Indy, Indy just sucked that game. There was, no yes. de- there was no deflating of footballs, and if there was, 
it was from the weather because it was a very cold night that night. It was. I mean, it's uh, that's why that's why I laugh when I, when when they say that they take the they take the integrity of NFL games seriously. Do you really? Because if you did, you would have gone with what with what scientists said happened that it was because of the weather that there was no there was no deflating by any team employees it's that's why out of these next three hires and by the way it, it's it sounds like uh, Mike McDaniel of the San Francisco 49ers is going to is going to probably get the Miami job so we're down to two teams. We're down to two teams, the Texans and the Saints. If we're still seeing only only Mike Tomlin as an NFL as the only black NFL head coach, yeah. Then they really aren't taking things seriously because there are a lot of the, the, there are a lot of coaching candidates out there, black coaching candidates yes. out there, that are very qualified to be NFL head coaches. Like people are wondering, you know, Eric Eric Bieniemy, uh, who's the offensive coordinator of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody has been wondering. Yes. He's done, you know. He's he's done so many interviews the last couple of years. How the hell has he not gotten a job yet with what he's been able to do there in Kansas City? That is very suspicious. And then not just you know, that. You got to take people for the job. Yeah, you you would think that he would be one of the front runners. Yeah, but sometimes uh, the NFL doesn't think so. Now maybe it is indeed uh maybe it is indeed completely possible that okay, you know, maybe they were just they weren't as qualified as somebody like like I'll take, you know, uh Peterson for example, who just became the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's a Super Bowl champion. He he took Philadelphia from from obscurity and turned them into Super Bowl champions. And multiple yeah, playoff yeah. appearances. Okay, I can understand that. You know, there's a reason why he got hired as the Jacksonville head coach. I have no problem with that. But you know, it's it's almost sort of like you take you take somebody like uh, like Joe Judge, for example. Uh, getting yeah. hired a couple, getting hired a couple of years ago as a special teams coordinator, and he gets hired by the Giants as their head coach. When I believe Bieniemy probably, uh, Emmy probably uh, interviewed for that for that position as well with the Giants, I think. And. You mean to tell me being the Emmy wasn't more qualified? Oh, I would think it was. I don't know what this. 
I can't yeah, take I any really of. I can't take any of the any of the uh, stuff that Goodell is putting out there seriously. You know, this is this is his way of basically just covering his ass. So, I'll say this: the league is going to have a hell of a. I mean, they already have a hell of a lot of problems to deal with right now. The league is going to have. It's not going to help them if these. At the end of all these coaching hires, if there is not one single black head coach as a new coach. They're going to cry foul. And it's only going to strengthen Brian Flores' case. I mean, help. Uh, For example, uh, let's throw out another example there. Marvin Lewis of the Cincinnati Bengals, the former Cincinnati Bengals coach who had multiple successful seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals. Since then, he has not landed one single head coaching job in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Coincidence? No. I mean, when you have have a guy who had multiple successful seasons, granted he never went to the Super Bowl, uh, with the uh, with the Bengals, but when you have a guy and he he did say that he has interviewed uh, since leaving the Bengals after fifteen sixteen years, he had interviewed for uh, positions for head coaching positions in the NFL, and he has not gotten he he hasn't gotten hired, and instead he stayed at Arizona State as a uh, special advisor. So, because of that, I mean, the fact that no team is willing to take some take on somebody like Marvin Lewis, but yet they're willing to hire somebody like Adam Gase, who was fucking horrible for the, what for the New York Jets. You could say that again. I mean, I'm sorry, but... What a bum. You know, there's... I don't know how the you know Marvin Lewis could very easily be one of the people that could that could uh, that could enter himself into this class action lawsuit if he wants to. Yeah, Herm Edwards could be another one. Herm Edwards, I believe he has gone to. I think he's at ASU also. You know, he's at ASU. He hasn't been yes. in the NFL since 2008. Although, to be fair, you take a look at his record, 54 and 74. Yeah, you know, not, yeah. Really, not really too appetizing for And for, not uh, too much material either. No. Well, obviously, clearly not. But I mean, if somebody Which has the resume, the if somebody has the resume though, and yet they're not getting, uh, they're not being taken seriously, there's a problem, and and it clearly yeah. reeks of racism. 
I mean, you know, I'm all for if, okay, the better coaching candidate gets hired. Yeah, I'm all for that. Of course. Okay, make it, you know, if it, if, if the person who gets hired is the better, uh, better qualified, then by all means. But if you have somebody, somebody out there, if you have somebody out there like Brian Flores, like Eric Bieniemi, and say somebody like a Joe Judge gets hired before they do, I'm sorry, just no, I no. And you know, I'll even throw Josh McDaniels maybe in there, but. I mean, he wasn't that bad in Denver. No. I mean, he did have one horrible season in Denver, uh, but he wasn't that bad. So I kind of understand why he got hired by uh, by Vegas to be to be their next head coach. Because I mean, you take a look at what he's done with the New England offense over the years since returning from Denver, you know, it, it makes sense. He has the, he has the resume. Right. And you could, you could say the same thing to, uh, about Eric Bieniemi as well. You know, what he's been able to do with Kansas city, but, uh, right. with the play, with the play calling that he is, that he has done to give, uh, to make Pat Mahomes look as good as he has. You know, it's I I would be floored if Bieniemi returns next year as offensive coordinator for the uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think that I'm not sure that'll happen. But you know, you know what, though, Lou, let's talk about that for a second. Kansas okay. City. Kansas City, how the hell are we looking at a Super Bowl matchup of the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams? You know, I got to that earlier. Like, you know, how do you blow an 18-point league hat in the bag and then all of a sudden you just turn on the choke signal just like that? Yeah, you know, I was like, we, we had, they, they had it and they just let it escape. I mean, Kansas City, you know, they they came out roaring against Cincinnati that it seemed yeah. like this game was basically over at the half. Like It was. It was 21 to 10 at the half. And Kansas City, this is this is where this is where the downfall took place. When Kansas City, with I think it was what eleven seconds left or something in the first half, yes. and they decided to get all, they decided to get all cute and throw this uh, throw this screen pass uh, to try and get Tyreek Hill into the end zone. He ends up getting stopped, and they basically waste a golden opportunity for points. They could have just taken the field goal and. Had been up, uh, had been up twenty-four to ten at the half, but instead, Cincinnati comes back, scores fourteen points, 
with Kansas City luckily tying it up uh, right at the end of the game to force yeah. uh, to force overtime, and then within the first three passes that Pat Mahomes threw in overtime, the first one was horrible, the second one was just as bad, and the third one he decided for some reason he decided to force it like he was like he was expecting Tyreek Hill to be to be all the way downfield and would make a miraculous catch like we saw in uh in multiple games this year. Instead, he gets yeah. picked off by a uh he gets picked off by a Bengal and it it seemed like he he threw it right to the Bengals player. And then obviously we saw what happened. Cincinnati basically rammed the ball down their throats uh with Joe Mixon running the ball pretty much the the rest of overtime, and then they end up kicking the field goal to win it in overtime 27-24. Yeah. I mean, I I could not believe what I was seeing. Joe Burrow, you know, 23 of 38, 250 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Yeah. And not just that, they swept their – wait. They beat Kansas City both times this year that they faced off. First time was in Cincinnati. This time was in Kansas City. Joe Mixon, 21 carries, 88 yards. T. Higgins, six catches, 103 yards. Jamar Chase also had six catches for 54 yards. But the Chiefs, you know, Pat Mahomes, 26 of 39, 275 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Jerick McKinnon, 12 carries, 65 yards. Travis Kelsey had his usual uh, production, 10 catches, 95 yards, one touchdown. Tyree Kill, seven catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. McCall Hardman, three catches, 52 yards, and a touchdown. You know, it seemed like everything was going Kansas City's way. And the unlikely happened, and Cincinnati, who, by the way, was a plus 8,000 entering this year to make it to the Super Bowl. A plus 8,000? A plus 8,000 to make it to the Super Bowl this year. I've heard long odds, but this is ridiculous. So... Anybody who took Cincinnati to, to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, uh, you guys just won big. Yeah. Big money win. You won a boatload of money. Uh, now, I mean, obviously, you know, the L.A. Rams, the L.A. Rams winning over the San Francisco 49ers kind of makes sense because, you know, J- Jimmy G has been playing injured the entire uh, yes. Actually, you know, not just the entire postseason, but uh, at the end of the year, he got injured as well, where he uh, he fractured his hand. So he's been playing injured basically the entire the entire postseason. And I mean, hell, they couldn't even score an offensive touchdown against uh, against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. So. You know, with LA with LA's uh, smothering defense, 
it was only a matter of time before the before the Niners, you know, just flamed out. Right. So, you know, it made sense why we're seeing a Super Bowl matchup between LA uh between LA and the Bengals instead of, you know, the Niners and the Bengals, but yeah. I mean, I and by the way, I guess the opening line I think is four and a half for uh, for LA in the Super Bowl. Yes. Because uh, even though they are at SoFi Stadium, LA isn't the home team. The the designated home team because of uh, you know switching last year. Uh, Tampa Bay was the uh, was the home team in the NFC. Uh, which, ironically, they were playing at Tampa Bay as well for the Super Bowl. Um, right. This year, though, it'll be the AFC team, that being the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, that will be the home team, the designated home team for the Super Bowl this year. So, I mean, what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on this matchup, Lou? Do you think uh, – you know, do you do you think uh, this could be a potentially even matchup, or do, are you, are you picking a certain side uh, in this one? Mm, I yeah, you know, I think it'd be uh, fairly even. You know, but I do think the Rams uh, will have enough um, to take to take over uh, the Bengals. Uh, Bengals. So uh, I'm looking. I, I am looking at a close game here. But uh, I'm not looking, to, you know, I'm not going to be that close. I'm not looking for much of an upset either. You know what? I, I mean, I might as well, I might as well get your spread pick uh, here so that I don't have to, uh, I don't have to message you uh, this week right. when when Tim releases the spreads. The Rams are going to be favored. Uh, the yeah. question is, you know, how much it's going to be. Do you think it? Do you think the spread is going to matter in this matchup? Well, if you're a betting man, yes, the spread would matter. Uh, to the average person, no. Uh, I'm going to say um, the Rams are going to win by a, are fair by a touchdown. All right, so your pick will be the Rams. Now, now I'm saying I'm not uh, going by what, what anybody else says or Vegas or else. I'm saying that myself that the Rams will have yeah, will yeah. win by seven. Okay, well that's what, that's what I'll submit when uh, that's that's what I'll submit when when Tim officially releases the spread. Uh, All right. With Rams, the Rams over the Bengals. Um, yeah. I honestly don't know. In 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 my case, because <laughs> Cincinnati, you know, they can very easily go off offensively, but so can the Rams. You know, the Rams, they got Cooper Cup. Uh, they got – I mean, they, 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 have, they have a, a shitload of options. You know, they have a shitload of options that they can choose from. Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Van Jefferson. You know, they got Tyler Higby at tight end. Uh, Kendall Blanton had a huge game as well uh, in the NFC title game. I mean, the, as far as the run game goes, you know, definitely Cincinnati, I believe, has an edge. But I think this could potentially come down to defenses. And 
I mean, looking at the two, looking at the two stacked up, I, I would almost have to go with defensive. The defensive edge, I think, would go with the Rams. And when you saw what, when we saw what happened last time, uh, Joe Burrow faced a good defense. I mean, granted, yeah. somehow he ended up coming out with the win against the Titans, but the, the last time he faced a good defense was against the Titans. And that's where he got sacked nine times, which tied, uh, I think it's it yeah. either tied the record or, or it set the new record. Uh, I think but, it set it. You know, it's. Yeah, that's right. You're, you're right. It, it, it set a new uh, a new playoff record uh, for the amount of the amount of times a quarterback has been sacked. Uh, a specific team's quarterback has been sacked in a single game in a single playoff game. If LA can replicate what Tennessee did, LA has a much better offense than Tennessee. If 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 that defense is able to get to Joe Burrow, I think we're looking at a Rams win. And the thing about Stafford, Stafford isn't going to force throws. He isn't going to do. He isn't going to be stupid and do what what uh, what Pat Mahomes did in crunch time. And basically force a throw downfield when he can just get the ten yards potentially. Right. So that's another thing to to take into account. You know, now that I think of it, this is actually going to be Lou the battle between the former number one picks. Yeah. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was picked number one overall uh, a couple years ago. Matt Stafford was picked number one overall. I believe it was in. 2009? Something like that, yes. All right, hang on one second. We have... Area code 708, you are on the air. And now he's off the air, apparently. Right as I right as I had connected. Uh, all right. Well, so well maybe maybe if he ends up if he ends up calling back, we can get him. Uh, yeah, we can get him connected back on. Uh, but yeah, you know this is going to be a potential a potential interesting uh, interesting matchup here in the Super Bowl because. It's entirely possible that, depending you know, depending on what happens, we could potentially see a defensive battle. But if, I think so. if LA, if I think it's possible, but if LA isn't able to get to Joe Burrow, we could potentially see another gunslinging matchup. Because I know Stafford can definitely get the, can can definitely throw, and I also know that obviously we've seen what Joe Burrow can do, where he did he did eclipse 500 yards I believe 
uh, once this season. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see when it comes to that. Uh, but by the way, I did. I did find the uh, the rebuttal that Brian Flores' uh, attorneys, uh, Doug Doug mm-hmm. Wigder and John Alefterakis, uh had Ooh. talked. They they mentioned uh, Roger Goodell's memo, and. They said that his memo to the league's owners was more of a publication relations ploy or a PR ploy than real commitment to change. Unfortunately, immediately after Coach Flores filed the class action lawsuit, the NFL and various teams reflexively and without any investigation denied the detailed allegations set forth in the 60-page complaint. Uh, They both said in the statement, that in and in itself can't be denied. The NFL immediately went on the defense uh, without, you know, without any reasoning that the moment that Flores went public, stating that there was no merit to the coach's allegations. Uh, they also said the statement made today by the commissioner is on the surface a positive first step but we suspect that this is more of a publication relations ploy than real commitment to change. The fact that the league has already been rightfully called out could change its tune if a federal monitor is brought in, which is apparently what Flores' team is looking for here. So it is entirely possible the Fed, you know, uh, like Congress, for example, could potentially get involved in this. Oh boy. That's all we need. I mean, you want to talk about a PR nightmare. Oh, of course. That's basically that's basically what you would be looking at. Because, I mean, you want the NFL, you want the NFL in the spotlight. Well, they'll definitely get it in the spotlight. I'll put it the uh, I'll put it that way. Yeah, but that's kind of the way we're thinking. No, but they'll definitely get it in the spotlight. Uh, one other thing, one other thing too that was announced this week and officially announced, even though we talked about it last week. Uh, Tom Brady officially announced his retirement after 22 yeah. NFL seasons. Uh, in a statement announcing his retirement, he said that it's best I leave the field of play to the next generation of dedicated and committed athletes. Uh, now, what's interesting about this is he ended up thanking his Buccaneer teammates. He thanked members of the Buccaneers organization. He thanked his family, his kids, his wife, uh, you know, all of his teammates. However, he left the New England Patriots out of it. And he left Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, you know, people that he spent 20 years of his career with, and and he left them out of the, you know, out of uh, the the uh, the retirement speech, and yes. this sent, you know, th- this sent social media ablaze. Basically, I imagine people so. were so pissed off. Basically. 
they, they were they were basically saying that this was essentially Tom Brady sticking the middle finger to the Patriots. And, you know, there was some speculation that maybe Brady believes that a member of the New England Patriots leaked out that he was going to retire. And that, that maybe that's why he left them out of his uh out of his retirement speech, which was like I think nine pages on Instagram or something. But yeah. He Which ultimately did because you know, he carried that team through five Super Bowls. He did, yeah. And, and although there, there have been some pe- there have been some people that have said that it was the it was the defenses that carried him uh, uh-huh. through uh, through the Super Bowl victories. But Lou, you know, what are your thoughts on on that? Because doesn't it seem very odd? that somebody I mean you even saw Peyton Manning when yes. he retired as when he retired as a Denver Bronco, you know, he did the uh the whole speech and everything. They had a whole press conference lined up and everything. And the first thing he did was he thanked members of the De- or, or of the Indianapolis Colts organization. That's the first thing that he did. And yet, the right thing to do. Yeah, and, and Brady, yet, you know, now became, all of a sudden, know, I mean, what are your thoughts, Lou? Well, Brady, you know, Brady um, is, I think, you know, too big for his own ego. You know, how do you forget a team that you that you brought brought from the dead that won five Super Bowls? And you know, you only mention in your in your uh, retirement speech. I mean that's pretty low, even for a, even for a star quarterback in the NFL like himself. I mean he really screwed New England over. Now you know a lot was, of people have said that oh he thanked he thanked New England already before he left for Tampa. You know he already had. So, uh, some people have said that he doesn't need to thank New England because he already did that uh, after you know when he became a free agent. And he had a you know a lengthy a lengthy statement to not just the fans but also to the organization as well when he officially hit the free agent market and was going to be signing yeah. with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So I mean I kind of understand it that way. You know he already said what New England means to him and everything and. You know, basically it would be stuff that would probably be uh, said once again in his retirement speech. So maybe perhaps he felt that, you know, he didn't really need to do a – he didn't really need to include them because – I mean, he had just done the, the the same exact speech, you know, two years ago. Right. So I don't know, you know, I'm I'm personally not really that bothered, you know, as a New England fan. I'm not one of those people that's upset that Brady Okay, didn't, okay. Uh that Brady didn't mention uh Brady didn't mention uh you know, New England fans. Although he did he did later on uh release a uh a little statement on on Instagram thanking the uh the New England fans and he also uh, had something to say about Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick 
when they released their respective statements on uh, on Is Brady. Is it legal to stay on the air? Oh no, it's. I mean, they were you know they were nice statements. You know, it was basically uh, that Brady was like a son to uh, to Robert Kraft and right. Belichick. Belichick talked about how uh, how he felt honored to be the one to have not only not only coached but drafted uh, Brady. You know, it was all it was all very respectful and everything, despite uh, the rumors of bad blood that had reportedly gone through the organization, or that you know that that had you know right. the reports of bad blood between the organization and Brady on his way out, you know, despite those rumors. I thought it'd be like, it, you know, like F you. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, it was very respectful. It was very, it was very I mean, respectful uh, with, with uh, how the organization worded everything. Yeah. Cause most uh, players wouldn't be like that. You know, they would say what they say. And then of course they would drop a few F bombs here and there. So I'm glad for Breeze they didn't come out that way. Yeah. Now I would. Now in 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 this case, you know, I I I said that I I'm not real. It doesn't really matter if he didn't if he didn't mention the Patriots and whatnot in his retirement speech. Now, when he gets to the Hall of Fame, if he still leaves the Patriots out and instead keep, continues to just talk about the Buccaneers. Then at that point, you know, it's fuck you, man. You know, yeah. You mm-hmm. are going to if you're going to potentially leave a team out of your Hall of Fame speech that you spent for you spent 20 years going in that uh, you know in that organization. I mean, let, let yeah. me just put it. Let me just put it to you this way: When Brady enters the Hall of Fame, he should enter the Hall of Fame as a New England Patriot. I mean, yeah. he had a. I'm surprised he signed one had, contract, though. Well, you know, it is interesting. Uh, his name has not shown up yet on the transaction list. Uh huh. You know, uh, I guess it has something to do with his contract, where uh, he has thirty-two thirty-two mil remaining on his contract, and mm-hmm. if right. they if they were to if they were to uh to exercise his contract now like if the, if they were to make him officially retired now uh they would have 32 million in debt cap but if uh i, for, I forget what what the deadline is but uh after a certain deadline before the start of this season if they do it after that deadline they would then be able to split the cap between having to pay just okay. uh, having to uh, have just eight million against the cap this year and twenty four million against the cap next year. So I think him not officially being on the uh, league transaction list yet has to do mainly with cap issues. Right with the fact that they want to be able to take advantage of of how the cap is basically how where where the repercussions of him retiring, you know. 
But, I mean, he finishes his career, you know, number one all-time in both passing yards and touchdowns. He had 84,520 passing yards, 624 touchdowns. Uh, He reached an incredible 10 Super Bowl appearances. 10 Super Bowl appearances going 7-3. and Six of them, of course, with the Patriots. One of them with Tampa. Uh, and also, you got to think too that with Brady leaving, Gronk is probably going to leave as well. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Rob Gronkowski retires uh, once again because he's because he's stated that I was he won't that play. Too. Do you think uh, Gronkowski is going to go now that Brady's gone? Because you know they, he followed him, you know, all through this, and that's why yeah. he went to Tampa. Yeah, so, uh, I wouldn't be surprised in all uh, he he did return. In all honesty, I think he's I think he uh he will probably retire as well. I think he will yeah. uh I think he will hang it up again because you know, going back to when he originally retired, he said that he wouldn't play for any other quarterback other than Brady. And if Brady, like, for example, in 2019, Brady's last season with the Patriots, if Brady called him and said that he needed him to return, he would have, he would have come out of retirement halfway through the year to, go, to come back and play. Despite all the, you know, the fact that he he claimed he retired because of injuries and whatnot and, you know, the uh, injury buildup that he's that he had to deal with throughout his uh, – the duration of his career up to that point. But he still would have – he would have come back if Brady asked him to. And he's, he's said that before. So with Brady now – now stating himself that he will retire, I find it hard to believe that Gronk will stay in in Tampa Bay or go elsewhere and play for another quarterback. And you know, not just not just will the Buccaneers be losing Gronk. Apparently, they're going to be potentially losing Chris Godwin. One of uh, one of their top wide receivers because wow, you got to think that the allure of they're going to clean house. Bay, yeah, they're probably going to clean house because the allure of staying in Tampa Bay kind of diminishes with no Tom Brady. Yeah. You know, you don't know what quarterback you're going to have next year. No, uh, it's not going to be Brady, so you may see players like Chris Godwin or Ryan Jensen or any of the other big name uh, Buccaneers who are free agents, you may see them uh, go to different teams potentially. Because, I mean, let's face it, the NFC South is going to be horrible next year with, with not just Brady leaving, but also you got Sean Payton who retired from, uh, well, not retired, but stepped away from the yeah. New Orleans Saints. I mean, you got yeah, to come back. A mess, anyways. 
oh yeah, he'll probably come back. He'll probably come back, but it won't be as as uh, as a head coach, the head coach of the Saints. Right, right. But you know, you got Atlanta. You got Atlanta, uh, who they finished seven and ten this year. I mean, they don't really have a quarterback. I guess you could say. You know, Matt Ryan isn't what he used to be. He isn't the uh, the same Matt Ryan who had an MVP season during uh, during the year of uh, the infamous Super Bowl collapse, uh, twenty eight to three. Yeah. Carolina, I mean, Carolina, they were at the bottom of the division this year, and it's not expected that they're going to improve much. So, Tampa Bay, you know, it's entirely possible. Maybe maybe Tampa Bay still has a, uh, you know, maybe they still will have the division, uh, the division in their possession next year. Depending on what happens with New Orleans, I mean, I've heard New it's Orleans, or I've heard New Orleans might lose Jameis Winston. Uh, Tampa Bay may apparently look into bringing back Jameis Winston now that he's. Uh, I mean, obviously he's still recovering from from his uh, injury that took him out of the season this year. But right, the main reason why Tampa didn't bring him back is a Brady came over, but b they weren't yeah. sure what was going to happen when it came to his uh, to his his vision surgery that he ended up having. You know what what he was uh, how he was going to be able to play. You know what he would play like basically. So obviously Brady coming in though was a huge factor. Oh, that's another thing I got to add too. Uh, yeah, to the Stephen Ross allegations. Apparently. Brian Flores, Brian Flores claimed that Stephen Ross tried to have him uh, try and coerce a high-profile NFL quarterback to join yeah. the uh, to join the Dolphins in the 2019 offseason, and it's been revealed since that that quarterback was Tom Brady. That basically Stephen Ross wanted Brian Flores to to mess with the tampering rules, yeah. which would have been very costly to the Dolphins organization. So that's another thing again, uh, that's going to be investigated as well on that end. Yes. But, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously Brady, I mean, how they should – for Brady, they should basically just waive the uh, waive the Hall of Fame uh, requirement where he has to wait five years. They could pretty much induct him in this. Uh, well, not yeah. this one, but the next the next Hall of Fame ceremony, they could basically induct him because you know there's not really a question. I mean. Well. Is Brady going to be a Hall of Famer? Is he going to be a first ballot Hall of yeah, Famer or of not? I mean, there's no question. He, you know, it's it's basically a foregone conclusion. So it's not really much of a shock that he would be uh, that he would be Hall of Fame bound. One shocking thing, though, is coming from Adam Schefter. 
who has reported that Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh has reportedly informed the Michigan Wolverines that he will return as the Wolverines coach next season as he was in the running for the Vikings head coaching position, but apparently he wasn't enticed enough to leave Michigan. And actually uh, he has stated that he wants to stay in Ann Arbor for as long as it wants him. So basically they'll have to fire him in order for him to leave. He's not going to leave uh, for, you know, he's not going to leave for for an NFL coaching job unless he gets fired. I mean, I found that kind of surprising, Lou, that, you know, considering what he was able to do with Michigan. Yeah. And... You know, everybody's been expecting that Harbaugh – well, first, first off, Harbaugh should have never left for college in the first place, considering what, he, no, what no. he was able to do during his time with San Francisco. But everybody's been wondering when he would come back to the NFL, and it would seemingly look like, you know, the perfect opportunity was sitting there with the uh, with the Minnesota Vikings – and ultimately, they ended up moving on and going elsewhere. So it's kind of surprising, that, don't you think, to see uh, Harbaugh instead decide to stay with Michigan. All right. Uh, this next bit of news, the Washington football team, they are no longer – uh, the football team, they have now changed their right. name to the Washington Commanders. And they also released their new uniforms, which are in line with Washington's previous uniforms, with the addition of a black and gold option. Uh, they did not unveil a new logo, however. Instead, their helmets will have a W, which is a letter that does not appear in their new nickname. Uh, presumably, uh-huh. this is an attempt to hold on to a legacy that many would prefer they would move on from entirely. Uh, and also, it's kind of ironic, I guess you could say, that uh, they went from the Redskins, the people being hunted, to the commanders, the people who were doing the hunting. Huh. I well, mean, it's commandment all can charge whatnot. So I guess, I don't know if that even can be considered offensive or not. But I, yeah, I, I personally don't think so. I think, I think you know, it's like a name that shows courage. You know, oh, no, I, I don't think uh, it's. I don't, th- I don't think it's offensive. No, I don't think it's offensive. I just think it's some do. You know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's offensive. I just think it's you know kind of ironic that they go from a name that was yeah. offensive in the Redskins to a name that hunted the Redskins. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it sounds pretty. It wacky. was one of the. It it was one of the uh, you know one of the 
few options that were actually presentable. Yes. I mean, the Red Wolves, the Red Wolves were an option as well. Uh, the Red Hogs, I believe, were an option. Uh, there were a couple of options on the table, but Commanders, you know, it kind of fits in there. Yeah. Now, in regards to the investigation into sexual harassment in the organization, according to ESPN's Trish Thompson, uh, she is reporting that the NFL might not be able to release the investigation uh, findings without the explicit permission of owner Daniel Snyder, as it's likely that they will never see the light of day if Snyder's permission is required, because this week he angrily rejected sexual harassment allegations that were made against him by uh, former Washington cheerleaders and a team marketing manager during a congressional hearing on the toxicity within the organization. As members of Congress have reportedly demanded that the league release a full written report on the sexual harassment charges made by the former employees, Uh, the league has responded by saying that the report was delivered orally. And members of Congress apparently wrote a letter to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell this week Uh, stating, in part, your decision not to release the written report is deeply concerning. Uh, Snyder has offered no indication that he'll allow a a full public vetting of the reportedly rotten organizational culture within the Washington organization. it, It just seems, Lou, like this, you know, this is going to be one of those cases that's just basically swept under the rug. And sure I don't know if I don't know if the feds can take any sort of legal action to enforce it to uh, make sure yeah. that, the, that the findings get released. I don't know what the what the jurisdiction is uh, when it comes to that, but. I mean, this could be one of those cases where, you know, findings are just never released. And if anything, this could potentially put even more pressure on Goodell. Yep. The fact that he's not going to do anything about it. But now maybe, uh, you know, it's, it's coming all back to bite him. Yeah, you know, it's it's just the fact that the fact that he isn't doing anything about it, and he's letting. I mean, I understand, you know, letting the organization handle it themselves, but but don't you think that he should, you know, do something about it? I think he should because yeah, you know, he he claimed he claimed uh, when he was asked about it. If you think you're I think it was. It was it was near the end of the season. He was asked about it, and he said, "Oh, I think I think uh, Snyder has learned his lesson. Huh. That you know, there's no there's no further action that needs to be taken. I mean, that right there, I think, is Goodell Goodell's way of trying to sweep it under the rug. Except this time, you know, now you've got Congress talking about it. Yes." 
and it's it's getting harder to keep it underneath that rug. So you got to imagine right. there's going to be big more rug. there's going to be more pressure. There's going to be more pressure on Goodell to get uh, to, to you know to get something done here. But you know, t- but taking a look at some of the uh, coaching positions around the league, uh, the Raiders they went with former Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. Uh, they paired him alongside the former director of player personnel Dave Ziegler, who will be the new general manager for the Vegas Raiders. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like Derek Carr is expected to stay as the Vegas quarterback as McDaniels believes that he can succeed uh, with Carr under center. The Jaguars, they hired ex-Eagles coach Doug Peterson as their new head coach. I mean, it makes sense. You know, obviously he's the most qualified. Uh, It sounded like Byron Leftwich was going to get the job before he ended up withdrawing because he apparently refuses to work with GM Trent Balky. So for some re- for some reason ba- Balky is still there as their general manager. Um and now you know, they have Doug Peterson basically as as their uh as their new head coach there. Uh now keep in mind obviously, you know, Peterson fell out of favor in Philly due to a variety of factors, including his supposedly underwhelming suggestions to improve his coaching staff following a disappointing season in twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, however, you know, it's he is still worth taking a chance on considering that you know, considering the state of the uh, of the Jaguars organization, the state that they're in right now, you know they they got to take basically the best that they can get, essentially. Uh, let's see here. You know what? Let's talk a little bit about the NBA trade deadline with. The trade deadline, the trade deadline coming up on Thursday, I believe. I think it's the tenth. I think so. Yeah. And we have already had one. I consider this a huge trade, at least. uh, Go down here with the L.A. Clippers. It, It seems like we're starting to see a complete rebuild take place in Portland. Yeah. Because. Uh, not only this trade went down, but apparently now they are they are shopping C.J. McCollum around the league. And you kind of have to wonder if maybe perhaps Damian Lillard may get, may get uh, shipped out in the offseason. But to basically start the domino effect, and, I mean, the Clippers right now, you, t- you know, you take a look at their record, and or not the Clippers, the Trailblazers. You take a look at their record; they're twenty-one and thirty-two. You know they're they're in the play-in tournament technically by a half a game. 
They have a half-game lead over the New Orleans Pelicans. So they're technically in the playoffs, I guess, if you want to call it. They're in the play-in tournament. Yeah. But, you know, it's clear that even if they do advance, they're not really going to make it far. No. So they basically decided, you know, let's go out there, get uh, – Start start shipping off some of our uh, some of our assets, and they have done so. However, <laughs> I think they may yes. have actually lost this deal because the L.A. Clippers they acquired Norman Powell and Robert Covington from the Trailblazers in exchange for Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a second round pick in 2025 via the Detroit Pistons. Pistons. I mean, I can understand why L.A. would make this deal. I mean, Powell and Robert Covington are definitely going to provide scoring for for the Clippers lineup. I, you know, when it comes to Portland, I almost think that this may be a a salary dump here because I don't understand yeah. why they would trade why they would trade for Bledsoe, who would basically be a backup to uh, either C.J. McCollum or Damian Lillard. Justice I don't Winslow, get that at all. Justice Winslow, I mean, maybe he's struggled to stay healthy. Uh, you know, he's still only 25 years old, though, and he, he's extremely versatile, so maybe he might have something to do with the future uh, for Portland. Keon Johnson, eh, you know, it's it seems very underwhelming, the return that Portland got here. I mean, he should get more of an opportunity to play in Portland, but he wasn't really getting time to play anyways with the Clippers. So, you know, there's not really much there. And a 20-25 second-round pick, you know, that's years away. So it really just seems like this was more of a salary dump attempt by Portland here. Right. So uh, what are your thoughts on this, Lou? You know, does it seem like this is perhaps the start of a rebuild out in Portland, especially now that they have a a new general manager too? Yeah, I think with everything, uh, you know, with the change of the guard, I think this, uh, you know, is a rebuild, even though I hate to use that word. But uh, that's how I I do see it. Giving it a new look, total overhaul. Yeah, and not you know not just that, but you got you also got to think too that yeah. now they're potentially shopping C.J. McCollum. You know that with them shopping C.J. McCollum, the one thing that Damian Lillard wanted is he wanted the team to get better in order for him to stick around. You're not really get you're not really presenting, you know. A big, a big reason for him to stick around here. If you're going to basically 
start into a rebuild. And I have a very good I have a very uh, good feeling that McCollum could potentially get moved at the deadline because yeah. it's clear with, with the with the deal that Portland has made so far, it's clear that they're just they're wanting to get as many assets as they potentially can while at the same time cutting down, cutting down the uh, you know the sal- the salary a little bit. Yeah. So I mean, do you think that this is? Do you think that McCollum will get moved? And could this also uh, be the no, line? Could, no, could this be what propels uh, Lillard to potentially uh, request a trade again? I don't see McCollum getting moved for some reason. No. I mean, I just find it odd, you know, that they would trade away two members of their starting lineup and all of a sudden expect that, you know, that they would still they would still be in the race. Which, I mean, yeah, they're just barely hanging on by a thread right now, but you're not exactly improving your lineup by... Thread. Trading by trading Robert Covington and Norman Powell for Eric Bledsoe. I mean, Bledsoe has been very good off of the bench for for LA, but he's not an upgrade over what you sent out. So, you know, it, it just it just seems to me, especially with the with the news coming out today that McCollum. Uh, is potentially being moved uh, either at the deadline or before the deadline. Yeah. It just it just makes me think that they are headed into a complete rebuild at this point. Yes. And that you're probably, in my opinion, I think that Lillard, this may be Lillard's last year in Portland. It's rumored to be that, yes. I mean the reports. The reports had already come out before the season that there was, you know, there was uh, growing animosity between Lillard and the uh, Portland front office, and the fact that things haven't been done to try and improve the roster, and instead seemingly looking like they're just basically selling at this point. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really see any reason for him to stick around. Now, one other huge rumor that has been floated around in recent days has been the fact that James Harden supposedly wants out of Brooklyn. And the key, and the key team to keep an eye on here is the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reportedly, discussions have started that would send Ben Simmons as part of a package to try and and bring James Harden to Philadelphia. 
And this is in the midst of a seven – wait a minute. Let me see. Did Brooklyn play tonight? Uh, nope. I don't think they did. So they're in the midst of a seven-game losing streak right now in Brooklyn. They've fallen all the way from the top down to number six right now on the uh, – yes on the Eastern Conference standings, just about a half game behind or a half game ahead of Toronto and a, and a game ahead of Boston. So with Brooklyn pretty much on a wrap, on a free fall right now. And, you know, Durant is out. Irving is only playing during road games and Harden himself is dealing with a hamstring issue. You know, it's from all indications, it sounds like Harden has basically lost the, you know, lost the uh, the interest in playing in Brooklyn. Yeah, I guess the strip clubs apparently aren't 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 as good as they were in Houston. I don't know. No, no, they never, they never are. So, you know, it's that's a, that's another huge uh, that's another huge rumor that's been floating around out there. Uh, yes. Now, suppose, supposedly, though, there's been there's also been a counter rumor that's been thrown out that apparently uh, Harden Harden has spoken with Durant. And Durant has convinced him to stay in Brooklyn, and that now apparently Harden no longer wants to be traded. I don't know what's true, what's not, but it's something to keep an eye on, especially with the fact that Harden has really been seen here as being the one to have to shoulder all the offensive workload. Recently, for Brooklyn. Yes. So, you know, I think there's the potential, depending on what, uh, depending on which teams decide to be buyers and which teams decide to be sellers at the deadline, yeah. we could potentially see some big moves get made here. One other team to keep an eye on is the Boston Celtics and the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves are supposedly trying to pry Marcus Smart away from the Boston Celtics. And the Celtics are reportedly looking for, in any deal for Marcus Smart, they want Malik Beasley and either Jaden McDaniel or a first-round pick to be included in that de- in in that deal for Marcus Smart, as Minnesota has surprisingly found themselves as a contender all of a sudden in the Western Conference, and they're looking to try and take advantage of that. Now, obviously, bringing in somebody like Marcus Smart would definitely improve. Uh, I mean, obviously, he would probably yes. come off the bench, but he would de- he would definitely improve. Uh, their their bench as it stands right now. Yes. 
Now you know that's an, uh, that's another another big question that is that is circled around the NBA is what are the Celtics going to do? Because yeah. as it stands right now, they stand in the number eight spot. They're at twenty nine and twenty five on the year. They're five games of believe it or not, they're only five games uh, back of the number one seed. So you know it's still. But the the, uh, conference is still definitely in reach for Boston as long as they can continue uh, on uh, on the hot streak that they've been on recently. Uh, You know they've won their last four games. They're seven and three in their last ten, and it seems like Marcus Smart is now finally starting to come around and be more of a facilitator for the offense. So. You know, I mean, obviously they they've been connected. Supposedly, Boston has been considered to be one of the more active members in the trade market in yeah. recent weeks. So, I, what what are your thoughts, Lou? You know, do you think do you think Boston uh, we could potentially see uh, Boston move off some assets? In order to uh, in order to try and look towards the future, I mean, right now the ultimate goal has been to try and surround yeah. uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with right. players that complement them. And so far this season, up until this point, before you know, before the hot streak that they that they've gone on, uh, they weren't really gelling as a team. So. No. I mean, can can they continue this hot streak that they've been on recently, or do you think maybe we might see uh, some deals get made by Brad Stevens here? Oh, I wouldn't put I wouldn't doubt that at all, especially for this time of year. So I think you are going to see some deals that are going to go down within the next uh, week or so. And actually, uh, you know, I would. I should have asked you this when we were talking about Brooklyn. What are your thoughts on James Harden? Do you think uh, do you do you think his uh, his days in Brooklyn are over, or is yes. all that just smoke? No, I think his days are over. I mean, the whole three of them that you know was got promised a championship. Uh, you know, the experts are all saying that they're they're the ones to be. Well, they're being themselves. They're not. They're not going to stay here. Was it was. You know, I think just like a one-year experiment or whatnot, and it's just how it's just how it went. I mean, that was a pretty hefty price that Brooklyn paid for uh, for James Harden. Yeah, where'd he get you? You know, get, they gave up Karis Levert. They gave up. Uh, they gave up a whole a whole bunch of uh, of their players that basically made them the high, uh, you know brought them back into the spotlight out in the eastern conference and you know ever since James Harden came in i mean you've seen flashes of what of of the potential that the trio of Irving Harden and Durant could do together but at the same time there's also been those limitations because like each one of them is going to want the ball you know they're not really the type of players that can take one for the team. Basically, 
You know, Durant's mm-hmm. going to want his touches. Uh, Harden's going to want his touches. Irving's going to want his touches. So, you know, it's it it, it only it seems like it, it was only a matter of time before this marriage ended up going sour. Very sour. Uh, let's see some other. It's hopefully I can. I can. Oh, actually, speaking of Karis LeBert, apparently uh, the Cavaliers are looking to try and go after Karis LeBert. Uh, which is very interesting considering that the Cavaliers are hanging in there in the Eastern Conference. They're at number three now uh, in the Eastern Conference with their uh, with their most recent win. So it's, you know, I'm kind of surprised with them losing Colin Sexton for the year. Everybody was looking at Cleveland as potentially being, you know, okay, they were going to lose whatever steam that they had that they had uh, generated yeah. to start the year with the hot the hot streak that they were on. But instead, now all of a sudden, Cleveland has really been in the thick of things that maybe perhaps. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're looking at themselves as potential contenders in the Eastern Conference here. I mean, how surprising is that, Lou, that, you know, for a team that lost arguably their best player on the roster, instead of going downhill, they actually have picked up steam. That's fast, Brock. Because when you lose an asset like that, it's hard to keep your, it's hard to keep your concentration. But they found a way to do it. Wow! You know, Not just, just that, but I they also lost Ricky Rubio too. Yeah, I know. And Rubio, I think, was one of their star players. Yeah, he was one. He was one of the. He was the spark plug, basically. Uh-huh. Ever since, uh, ever since Colin Sexton went out, he he had basically been their spark plug. And now, and and now with that, you know, with them losing Rubio for the year, uh, they find themselves right now right in the thick of the Eastern Conference race. You know, they only stand about a, about a game and a half behind. Uh, let's see. I mean, because the way it looks right now, the Eastern Conference, you got Chicago, surprisingly. Yes. Uh, with uh, after all the big moves they made last year and Lonzo Ball, uh, them signing Lonzo Ball in the off season, uh, Chicago is up there at the number one spot in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you got Miami in the number two spot. Cleveland is in number three. Uh, they're tied with Milwaukee uh, for the number three spot, but they own the number three spot because of the tiebreaker. Uh, Philadelphia is at five. Brooklyn's at six. You got Toronto at seven. Boston at eight. Uh, Charlotte at nine, and Atlanta at ten. 
Washington, you know, Washington, that's another big question, too. Washington currently finds themselves on the outside. Now, their, you know, their whole thing has been, we want to try and make it work with Bradley Beal. Now, the question is, how much longer can they try and make that work? Because, I mean, it's, it's, Obvious now. Ooh, we got a tie game. The Knicks and the Lakers. One eleven to one eleven with eight point one seconds to go, thanks to a three by uh, what I think the it was hell? Barrett. What the hell? But you know there are so many teams that are in the mix right now in the eastern conference that yeah. literally from the from the number 1 to the number 8 seed or actually no wait a minute from the difference between wait a minute why are i don't understand okay so I don't understand. I don't understand why they don't have Miami as any games back, any games behind Chicago, because they're treating Miami like they're the co-leader of the conference with Chicago right now. Chicago is yeah. thirty-three and nineteen. Miami is thirty-four and twenty. So I don't. Maybe it's because of win percentage. I don't. I don't know why. Uh, Miami isn't any games any games behind Chicago, even though Miami's in the number two spot. But you take a look at that Eastern Conference, and basically from number three to number eight, yeah, three and a half games separate the number three seed from the number eight seed right now. I mean, it's literally okay. that close. And we Number. are headed to overtime. To overtime. And considering wow. New York's record in overtime this year, uh, I think I have a pretty good feeling for the Knicks. Yeah. Just when you thought this game was over. Yeah, just when uh, when the Lakers after the Knicks seemingly after the Knicks were seemingly handling the Lakers all game long, the Lakers ended up getting a double digit lead late in the game, and then the Knicks have now all of a sudden tied it up. And this is actually LeBron James's first game back in five games after dealing with uh yes. with a knee with with a, I think it was knee soreness or. Or something having to do with his knee. Yes. I mean, you say, now you take a look at the Western Conference. I mean, you got Phoenix up the up top. You got uh, Golden State in the number two, Memphis in the number three, uh, Utah at number four, Dallas at five, Denver at six, Minnesota at seven. You got LA, uh, both LA teams at eight and nine. Uh, Portland at just 
barely hanging on at number 10, but it, it really seems like everything is much closer in the Eastern Conference compared to the Western Conference because you have the number two seed is two and a half games behind. Then you have Memphis, who is six and a half games behind at number three. Then you have Utah, who are ten and a half games behind at number four. And it just goes on from there. You know, it's it, it really seems like the Eastern Conference is more – is the much closer uh, battle right now between teams. Yes. So I think it's entirely possible we could see a very active deadline, at least from the, from the Eastern Conference uh, standpoint. I think you're you right. know there's going to be there's going to be those teams that are going to want to uh you know that are going to want to get uh those that extra help. They're going to need it, all right. But uh let's see. Oh yeah, it was swelling in his left knee. That's what it was from. Yes. All right. Now, uh, moving on to Major League Baseball, uh, as we mentioned earlier, there has been an update in, or a lack of an update, I guess you can say. It's not really an, I guess it's not really an update, but it's also an update because there's, there was progress, but now there isn't any progress, if that makes sense. At all. Well, knowing them, you know, it wasn't going to make much progress anyway. But basically, with spring training supposed, uh, supposed to start in how many days? Like two weeks, I think? Or 10 the days? 16th. Something like that? The 16th. Oh, yeah, yeah, the 16th. So about 10, ten days, basically. Yeah. Uh, that the that it's supposed to it's supposed to start. Obviously, that's not going to happen. And yeah. from what it sounds like, it sounds like the there is a, a legitimate threat that the regular season will not start on time, and that there will be missed games. Just considering the uh, the frustration that's going on throughout the negotiations. Uh, the owners want to try and make it out like they're they're coming to the table in good faith, but I mean, you know, like you said, like you said earlier, that uh, the the league they tried to put out a request for a federal mediator to assist yeah. in the negotiations, and the le- the players rightfully declined that request because. Uh-huh. I mean, let's face it, the mediator would side with the league. So it would be a losing situation. It would be a losing situation for the players if they were to have agreed to that. And not just that, the league has announced that they will, uh, they've told the players that they will not, they will not present a counter proposal. So basically the league is, Standing pat, essentially, and yeah, this time they are. You know, they're 
from what it sounds like, it sounds like there's literally not going to be any negotiation whatsoever. Uh, they are scheduled to meet next week, though, or this week, technically. Uh, however, there is currently no next meeting uh, between the league and the Players Association on the docket as of now. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I mean, Lou, it just seems it just seems like the further and further that this goes, just when it seemed like they were making progress, and then basically that all and gets then this wiped out within the first. Yeah, it, it that all gets wiped out within the matter of you know one meeting essentially. Any yeah, progress that may have been you made, you saw something that like happened, and all of a sudden it's back to square one. Exactly, it's right back to square one. And from the sounds of it, it sounds like there's, if anything, uh, they've actually lost any momentum. They're in they're in negative rating right now. Instead yeah. of being in the positive, they're in the negative. So and they're not, they're, not, they're not doing anything. Yeah, and I would be surprised at this point. I would be surprised at this point if there's even a season, because from the way it looks right now, they're they're not even the the owners aren't even willing to negotiate. The players, you know, they've already taken some stuff uh, some stuff off of the table from their original list of the of demands that they had uh that they were going to put in. They've already taken some of those off the table. And apparently, you know, it's it's not enough apparently for the owners as no. the owners are basically sticking to sticking to their guns basically. So I don't know, you know, I I'm 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 being very pessimistic right now that we're yes. going to have a season because this is basically turned into a blinking contest and you know the players aren't going to blink. The players are going to wait for the owners to do so and with the way that the owners have have played this so far, you know, I just I just do not see that happening. So, yeah. who knows? You know, we could be at a stalemate for God knows how long. Yeah. Well, I didn't expect I didn't expect this season to start on time anyway. No, you know, I I. I wouldn't think that the season would start on time. Would have started on no. time anyway, but because you do have to have some sort of spring training. Yeah, but I mean, I just do. You think it's possible, Lou, that maybe we may have a lockout that lasts the entire season? No. No? No, MLB is not that stupid. The owners, that is. 
Well, I would hope that they aren't, especially with the uh, with the big, massive contracts that they had uh, that they had just gotten from uh, from the media groups. But I, you know, who knows? We've seen we've seen how nasty some uh, some negotiations can potentially get, and right, just knowing how the players will sometimes uh, considering who some of the some of the player uh, representatives are in this uh, in this whole matter. I mean, Tony Clark. You know he's always been stone faced. He's not going to be somebody yes. who's going to who's going to back down uh, from. He's not going to bow down to owners. Basically, you got Max Scherzer, who's one of the uh, one of yeah. the player representatives uh, representing the players, and he doesn't really have you know the personality to be one of those guys that. That's gonna, you know, that's uh, that, that's gonna bow down to the owners either. So, I mean, we could be potentially looking at a very lengthy lockout. I would not be surprised at all if we lose at least half the season. No, I wouldn't be too surprised either because you know they've been fighting for this for so long, and now it's you know we're beginning to fight them. So yeah. Well, but you can't say that they would uh, ruin the whole season. That's the last thing Major League Baseball needs. So, you know, they'll oh. have to walk out, you know. Well, you'll probably get to really, uh, bitch and bitch and bitch for a while. But, you know, I think by summer they yeah. might be able to get it done. Yeah, maybe they'll be able to get something done, but possibly closer to the summer. I would be very surprised if we get close to a full season for you know of actual of actual games. I just with the with the way that things are trending, things are are not trending at all in the right direction for a, for a full season. Now, before the lockout, uh, according to the Tampa Bay Times, the president of basketball op- or of basketball of baseball operations for the Rays, uh, Eric uh, Neander, apparently was contacted by several teams that were interested in trading for Kevin Kiermaier uh, prior to the lockout. So it seems like Kiermaier may potentially be on the move for the Rays. Uh, who he just uh, recently underwent right knee surgery earlier this off season, and it remains possible he could be on the move amidst an impending blizzard of transactions that are likely set to take place whenever this lockout gets officially lifted. Uh, out in the NHL, uh, there were a few announcements. First off, the Boston Bruins, they will officially host the 2023 NHL Winter Classic, which will take yep. place at Fenway Park 
13 years after the initial Winter Classic, which took place at Fenway as well. Um, The opponent and a date for the game will be announced at a later date from what it looks like here. Uh, The Carolina Hurricanes, they will host a stadium series game at Carter-Finley Stadium uh, in February of 2023 as well. And that will be in Raleigh, North Carolina, from what it looks like. Um, The opponent also will be named at a later date there. And also for the 2023 All-Star Game, uh, it looks like the Florida Panthers will play host to the All-Star Game in 2023. That's what it looks like. According to a uh, to a, an announcement that was made by the National Hockey League earlier this week, Oh, this one you might be interested in, Lou. Uh, Apparently, the Yankees are expected to take a run at signing Freddie Freeman once the lockout potentially uh, is lifted. That is something. And uh, apparently, they have been doing more than just simple due diligence. According to MLB Network's John Heyman, The Yankees reportedly love Freddie Freeman and are expected to take a run at landing him once the transaction is lifted. I mean, just just right out the just right off the bat here, you gotta you gotta assume that he's probably gone from Atlanta because if they were gonna if they valued him. If they valued him like they uh, like we think they do, you would think that they would that they would have they would have locked him up to an extension immediately following. Uh, actually, no, they probably would have locked him up before the World Series uh, win. Mm-hmm. You would think, at least. But yeah, according to uh, to John Heyman, it looks like the Yankees—they're expected uh, to take a run at Freddie Freeman here. And yeah, I mean, honestly, I would be surprised if he stays in Atlanta because not really looking—not really looking good from from what it looks like here. Uh, also, uh, Adrian Gonzalez, he officially announced his retirement after 15 MLB seasons. Uh, he last played in the majors in 2018, but he was active as recently as, as this past season, playing 43 games with the Mexican League's Mariachis de Guadalajara where basically he posted a 340 batting average uh, down in the Mexican League. Uh, He also represented Mexico in the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, which technically was held in 
this past year in 2021 due to COVID-19, where he had three hits and a walk in 12 plate appearances then. So, Gonzalez Gonzalez was was one of those players who, uh, for some reason, he completely dropped off right as soon as he... uh, you know, basically, right as soon as 2017 rolled around, uh, he had you know he had a couple of good years with the Dodgers, but uh, after he basically succumbed to injuries, essentially. So, well, uh, unfortunately, we are going to have to cut tonight's uh, tonight's show a little bit short. Uh, there's a matter that I have to attend to, um, but, but, uh, Lou, uh, I want to thank you for, uh, for joining me tonight. Uh, we yeah, will be back. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, something, uh, work related that I have to, uh, ah, I have okay. to attend to. Um, okay. something, something that I have to, I have to make sure I get done. Uh, right. But we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. And also a reminder for any Big Brother fans, uh, Celebrity Big Brother, uh, the recap show will be this Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. By the way, Lamar Odom, he's one of the uh, one of the players that's on Celebrity Big Brother. So uh, he is currently still in the running with 10, uh, 10 house guests remaining for two hundred for the potential $250,000 prize, I think it is. Um, so he is still in the running, uh, representing, of course, being a former Laker. Uh, but, yeah, the recap show for Celebrity Big Brother will be on Thursday night. And obviously, we will be back next week for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly uh, next Saturday night, where we will further uh, further preview the upcoming Super Bowl, which oh I yeah coverage I believe coverage starts at what three I think for them yes, but if you want the other pregame show, tune in to my on Saturday at five o'clock Eastern Time. All right, well, uh, with that being said, uh, everybody have a good rest of your weekend. And we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.